Researchers estimate that a person averages between four and six dreams every night. No, we don't want to hear about yours. Each of our dreams typically lasts uh, between five and 20 minutes, they say. Uh, That means that the average person dreams the equivalent of approximately six years of their life. So you're dreaming your life away, I guess. Dreams are mentioned in the Bible a lot, uh, over a hundred times, and usually they are showing God conveying messages to humanity. So visions and dreams have been common not only in Scripture, the Old and New Testaments, and also down through history. Uh, they continue to testify to the God's supernatural communication through dreams and visions to us. The trick, however, is to determine whether a dream has some significance or not. Because a lot of times they're just the result of eating too much cake before bed, right? So we've got to figure that out. While research suggests that over 95% of a person's dreams are forgotten when they wake up, some dreams are both unforgettable and life-changing. And so today we're looking at what is probably the most famous dream in the story of Christmas, and that is the dream that Joseph had after he found out that Mary was pregnant. It was uh, in this dream, Joseph uh, was encountered by an angel and was given a call of Christmas, uh, the call to protect. We've been walking through, this is, uh, uh, we we had through Zechariah, uh, the uh, we had uh, the angelic encounter to Zechariah. We had the angelic encounter uh, last week of uh, when, when the angel came to Mary, and now the angel's encounter with Joseph. It is interesting that in the other three calls of Christmas, these angelic encounters in the Christmas story, uh, angels physically appeared to people who were awake. So uh, Zechariah and Mary and the shepherds who we'll talk about next week. But but with Joseph, it's in a dream. Whether in, in dreamland or not, this was still a very real communication to Joseph from God uh, in a dream by an angel. Uh, this, this angel meeting starts off just like all the others uh, that, that we see in Scripture. Uh, the angel says, don't be afraid. Uh, Angels seem to be aware that they instill fear in us. Uh, In this case, though, the angel, it's a little bit of a different slant because uh, the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. I'm sure that emotions were running high in uh, in in Joseph's life in, in Joseph uh, that that uh, that that he was certainly afraid to take her as uh, as his his wife. Uh, she, in the reality uh, that that Mary had told him, uh, she was she was pregnant, and he knew that he hadn't had anything to do with that. And I'm sure that he was afraid to marry her. He was probably also feeling pretty disappointed and frustrated and angry and rejected and sad and probably a whole other host of emotions. It's obvious that he hadn't really considered that Mary's story might actually be true because there's only one way to get pregnant. The betrothal process in first century Jewish culture uh, meant more than just what we know of as being engaged. Uh, it, it meant that Mary and Joseph were legally married in the eyes of the law, uh, in the eyes of God, but due to the customs of that day, they were, uh, they were in a waiting period, could be up to a year waiting period, uh, testing their love and faithfulness as Joseph prepared a home uh, to take, uh, take Mary to. It was a time of preparation for intimacy, uh, and it was a cultural call for chastity as they, until they celebrated their actual wedding day. And so when Joseph found out that Mary was with child, we can see in this passage that he still cared for her enough to not publicly disgrace her. 
So uh, a, a loud and public divorce certainly was within Joseph's rights, uh, the, the, but the law also allowed for private divorce. He could just go with a couple of witnesses, and uh, we see in the in the old law back in uh, in the first few books of uh, of the Bible, we we can see that uh, that it was also uh, allowed uh, in certain cases to uh, to quietly divorce someone. Verse 19 here in Matthew 1 uh, describes that Joseph was a righteous man. Uh, he was faithful to the law. And so he didn't want to shame Mary publicly any more than, than she would already be publicly shamed as it became obvious, more and more obvious, that she was uh, pregnant. But Joseph wasn't just protecting Mary. Uh, he was also protecting his own reputation. Uh, being a righteous person, seen as a righteous person in the community, uh, then, then he would, he would want to protect his own reputation. If he went ahead and took Mary home as his wife, uh, then others would no doubt assume that he was admitting guilt of some sort, that he was responsible for the child that she was carrying. So a quiet divorce would, would protect Joseph, uh, would protect Joseph's righteousness under the law, uh, would protect his reputation in the community and would still allow for his compassion, uh, to remain intact for Mary. So with all this in mind, it, it seems that, uh, Joseph had his plan in place and he went to bed and that's when the call of Christmas came as he slept. We saw it in the video. I want to read part of it here beginning in verse 20, Matthew chapter one. Uh, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph thought he had so much to lose if he didn't divorce Mary. But as he dreamed, he began to realize how, how much he was gaining, uh, how much was being entrusted to him by God uh, that, that, and that the entire world would gain, not just him, but the entire world. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to be watched over and cared for and provided for, protected by a young up-and-coming carpenter. Just seems seems kind of crazy. What an amazing responsibility. As with the other angel encounters we've already seen, the angel told Joseph what he was to name the baby. And there are two names that the angel talks about here uh, with Joseph, and, and together they help Joseph understand the significance of who Jesus was to be. The first name, uh, Jesus, and the, the other name, Emmanuel. N.T. Wright, Bible scholar N.T. Wright, uh, talks a little bit about this, and, and he explained that, uh, that, that Jewish names are, are rich with meaning, uh, destiny. A lot of times a, a name would, uh, would, would actually propel a child or a person onto, onto their, uh, their, their destiny or their calling in life. Jesus was actually a popular name in, in Jewish culture at that time. It wasn't like this was the only Jesus running around. Um, actually, it's the same name in, uh, in, in, if, if you go to the, the Hebrew, it's the same name as Joshua. So you've heard Joshua, Yeshua. It's the same, same name. Jesus, Joshua, it's the same thing. Uh, and, and so Joshua was an important uh, figure in Israelite history. He, uh, he was the, uh, the, the leader who took over for, uh, well, he's kind of the apprentice of Moses. And then when Moses died, Joshua took over and he led the people across the uh, the the 
the river into the promised land and, and led the people as they uh, inhabited the land. He was with them all the way through from, from Egypt uh, on, on into until they got to the promised land. So, so Joshua, just like we might name someone after a, a figure in history or someone uh, important to us, many people name their children Yeshua. Joshua or Jesus. Uh, uh, just as Joshua of old, this new baby Jesus would grow up to rescue his people, not from physical slavery in Egypt, but from the slavery of sin and death. And so the name Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, means God saves. Pretty significant part of who Jesus was to be, God saves. But the second name that the angel mentioned would have been different. Um, Quoting the prophet Isaiah, uh, not a common name at that time. No parent in the right mind would, would give their son the name Emmanuel. As you probably know, Emmanuel means, and we've talked about even sung about today, Emmanuel means God with us. And so in proclaiming this, the angel gave no doubt that Mary's story was, was true. Uh, this wasn't just a child conceived in the typical physical way. This wasn't just any child named after a, a, a leader of old. This was God now physically with us. And, and that fact seems to be a rather si- significant thing for the author of this book, uh, the book of Matthew. Um, Matthew uh, was one of the 12 disciples uh, that, that Jesus handpicked to follow him through his, throughout his ministry. Uh, Matthew had been leading a sinful life. He was one of those dreaded tax collectors who, uh, who was, uh, had a bad reputation, but for a reason, because they were conniving and, and they were kind of the bottom of the rung and nobody liked them and they were sinful people. Jesus picked Matthew uh, right off the uh, the tax collection circuit and uh, and and picked him as one of the twelve. And so Matthew then, after he uh, served with Jesus uh, for for these uh, three and a half years, and Jesus uh, died and and uh, and rose from the dead, and then Matthew, along with several others, Matthew decided he needed to write an account of this ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, who he was and and what he did, and uh, and so he wrote down this account of Jesus' life. And, and others, you probably know, we have four of these in our New Testament. The New Testament starts off, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, four different accounts of Jesus' life, and we get different perspectives from each one. Um, and, and so Matthew is writing primarily to a Jewish audience, and, and it seems that, that it was very significant to him to include this fact that Jesus is with us. That, 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 that this, this not only was something that started off his book, it's also interwoven throughout the book of Matthew. And the very last verse of the last chapter, the very last verse of the book has the exact same Emphasis. Jesus himself is speaking to his 12 disciples as they gathered on that hillside before Jesus ascended into heaven. And he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Matthew starts off his book with, this is Jesus, he is God with us, he's being born physically with us, but then he continues, and even though Jesus physically now is no longer going to be with us, he puts that bookend on the other end of his, of his book to say, this thing doesn't end, God is still with us. That concept would have been rooted deeply in the minds of, of the Jewish people. It wasn't just unique to Matthew. Uh, 
Matthew knew that the Jews who read his gospel would pick up on the nuances throughout his book. And, and, and actually, these, these two names, Jesus and Emmanuel, are seen coupled together uh, at, at other times, especially in this story of Joshua, this leader uh, who, was, uh, who was taking over for Moses and leading the people. Uh, if you've read the book of, uh, of Joshua, in the first part of it, you see... Several times as God is talking to Joshua and preparing him for leadership, he says, and, and probably the key verses in verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1, God talking to this leader, Yeshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So this wasn't anything new except that Jesus was now God in the flesh with us, but he was going to continue his presence uh, as he was with Joshua, Yeshua of old. Now Jesus uh, is with us and he was going to continue to be Emmanuel. Jesus, God saves. Emmanuel, God is with us. Both of those would have been deep-rooted character traits that the the Jewish people were looking for in their coming Messiah. A God who would save them, but not just save them from a distance, a God who would be walk with them as he did so. Again, N.T. Wright notes that the two names together, Jesus and Emmanuel, express the, the, the meaning of the entire gospel. God is present with his people as he saves. He doesn't intervene from a distance, but he is always working, uh, always active, always with us wherever we go. And so we have to consider, we have to think about, are there situations in our lives? uh, Is there a situation this Christmas that I'm going through that desperately needs a God who saves, but not just someone who intervenes from a distance, but a God who saves as he walks through life with me? Maybe you're in desperate need for healing, or, or maybe you have a desperate need for God to provide uh, your physical needs, or, or maybe you have a desperate need for forgiveness, or, or maybe this time of year, the, the desperate need for sanity, <laughs> maybe uh, the desperate need, de- desperate need for understanding, uh, maybe a, a desperate need to, uh, to have God intervene in fill in the blank. How is it that you need God? to intervene in your life. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. God knows what you need. He wants you to call on his name. He wants you to ask and keep on asking for him to show up and to show off in your life. So seek his will, expect his intervention in your life and be ready to do whatever he asks of you. See, that's what happened. It, the story didn't just stop right there with the, with the dream. Joseph had this angel encounter in the dream. God was going to save. God was going to walk with his people. But it would mean that Joseph had a job to do as part of that. The angel conveyed that, that, that he was to be given not only a wife to embrace, but also a son to raise. Joseph was given the call to protect them both. It was an amazing dream. It was an amazing call. It was an overwhelming responsibility. So what came next? Well, what came next was that Joseph immediately obeyed. 
The dream the Lord had given Joseph as he slept and the angelic call that came in the night resulted in Joseph's immediate action. Joseph immediately ended the betrothal season uh, with, uh, with, with Mary. He took Mary as his wife. They moved in together. I, I, I think that Joseph's immediate obedience after his angelic dream is no less remarkable than Mary's. We talked about Mary's last week. It's just amazing that, that this, uh, this young girl would say, okay, that's great. May it be to me as you have said. And, and, uh, and, and we lift up Mary and as well we should but Joseph was just as just as important a response when Joseph woke up verse 24 he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him he did it he didn't just dream about it he didn't just say wow I guess I did have too much cake last night before I went to bed he he said uh, he, he got up and he did it he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him he didn't forget his dream, uh, he, he remembered it, he believed it, and he obeyed. It was immediate and complete obedience. I think there's probably something there for us to, to, to learn. So many times I, I can think of, of uh, when, when I have wrestled with God over obeying something that he wants me to do instead of just going ahead and doing it, right? Ah, are you sure? I, you know, I, maybe, you know, I have these little conversations where I inform God of things that maybe he didn't think about, you know? At times, I know that I've missed opportunities because I've waited too long. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Maybe you've told that to your kids before. I don't know. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Or, or sometimes I might twist it around. Okay, well, I'll do this part because it's easier to do this. But, but that's kind of crazy, God. I don't think I'm going to. And so uh, it, partial obedience or incomplete obedience is also disobedience. When our kids were, were very small, uh, Rebecca and I were in a small group at the church where we were at at that time, and, and uh, it was all about parenting. And, uh, and, and one thing that they emphasized in that, in that parenting course was first-time obedience. Good thing for parents to dream about. I mean, to, to learn and to, to enforce. Um, first-time obedience, complete, immediate obedience is very important. It can have drastic consequences. I mean, if, the, if, if your child is, is chasing the ball out in the street and the car's coming and you say stop and they don't obey you immediately and completely, drastic consequences, right? It, it can be, it can be uh, uh, immediate awful things going on. So, so immediate and complete obedient, uh, obedience is for their own good. And so, I don't know, we, uh, I can't say that we mastered that. Because another phrase that they taught us in that class was, we're working on that at home. So, <laughs> that was our out. You know, we, we really didn't work on much of anything. But we said that a lot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Joseph uh, was characterized by obedience, not just in this one thing. but And we don't see a lot about Joseph in Scripture. But when we do see him, he is obeying over and over and over again. Uh, he married Mary just like the angel had, had said. He took Mary to Bethlehem and, and he protected her and the baby and found them a, a shelter when Jesus was born. Joseph and Mary presented Jesus at the temple at the right time uh, uh, following the prescribed Jewish law. Uh, jo- Joseph was a righteous man and he's, he's following exactly what he needs to do. He's obeying uh, what God is leading him to do. Joseph obeyed another prompting in a dream. This guy dreamed a lot, I guess. Uh, it, it, they, uh, God prompted him to, to move to Egypt when Herod is coming to, to uh, try to kill Jesus and 
and, and Jesus, uh, Joseph obeyed again uh, a little while later when, when another angel, uh, uh, another angelic dream that he had said, it's, it's safe to move back home to Nazareth finally. And so Joseph had a track record of hearing and obeying the voice of God immediately and completely. Joseph would resettle his family in Nazareth after living as refugees during the early years of Jesus' life. We have reason to believe that Joseph found his niche as the, as the, as the village carpenter, that Jesus followed in his footsteps until his ministry began. We know that, that, that Joseph continued to lead his family in the ways and traditions of God. He took them to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. Uh, as Jesus grew, Jesus knew the love and direction of a father, an earthly father, and no doubt that helped to shape Jesus' interaction with his heavenly father. Remember, Jesus is not only completely God, he's also completely human, and he was learning along the way. Uh, it, it, scripture, it says that, that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It wasn't that Jesus was just imparted with all this stuff and was, was uh, you know, telepathically connected with God uh, even as an infant. He was growing and maturing and learning, and Joseph had a big part in that. It's a, it's a challenge to us fathers, for sure. How, how is my life? How is my work? Uh, how is, how is, is my worship? How is my prayer life? How is my connection with my family uh, in, influencing my children? The way that our kids view us as parents, as fathers, the way that our kids view us has a tremendous impact on how they view God. The way they view their father, uh, their earthly fathers, has an impact on how they view their heavenly father. Joseph's call to protect went beyond a call to, to just safety and security and providing for his family. It was a call to, to, to uh, uh, give an accurate view of what a healthy, authentic relationship with God was like. So in his dream, Joseph was called to, uh, to, to not only just believe Mary, but also to raise this child as his own in the guidance and the love of God. So in the face of that monumental call, Joseph's response was complete, immediate obedience. And God calls us to the same thing today. I don't know what he's calling you to this Christmas to something to obey immediately and completely. Maybe there's a habit that needs to be stopped immediately and completely. Maybe there's an addiction that needs to be admitted immediately and completely. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be cultivated or maybe a relationship that needs to be ended immediately and completely. Maybe there's a, a move that needs to be made or, or a word that needs to be spoken or an admission that needs to be made or forgiveness to be sought or forgiveness to be granted immediately and completely. I don't know what it is that God is calling you to do, but what is it that you know deep down God might be calling you to do and you've been pushing it away, you've been ignoring it, you're hoping he'll forget, you're hoping you'll forget. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And when we sense God's prompting, whether it's in a dream or through his word or in prayer or even in a service like this, we can't put it off. God's direction is always right, even if sometimes it's hard to grasp. Joseph was convinced through this interaction 
with the angel in a dream that God was speaking to him. And when he was convinced that it was God speaking to him, he was ready and willing and acted on that at a moment's notice. Because of Joseph's obedience to his call uh, to protect, God's plan happened. This baby Jesus, God saves, was born. This baby Emmanuel came to live life with us. It is my hope and prayer that, that all of us will demonstrate a life lived in such a way that we honor God, the God who saves us and the God who is with us. He is Jesus. He is Emmanuel. Maybe there's something where you're sensing God saying, hey, you, you really need to do this. Maybe you've got the nudge of the Holy Spirit. You've got, you've got him whispering something that says, hey, we need to talk about this. Don't put it off. Don't, uh, don't delay. Don't just obey in a little way. But commit even right here and right now that you will obey completely. Father God, what a, what a joy it is to know that you are with us, that you care about us, that you have plans for us, that you desire what's best for us. Lord, we know sometimes that means that we need to change what we're doing or we need to step out and do something, uh, something different. Sometimes that means uh, conviction for something we're doing wrong. Sometimes that means stepping into something in faith that, 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 uh, that just seems overwhelming. Lord, we thank you for the example of Joseph. We thank you for his immediate and complete obedience when once he was convinced that it was you speaking. And so, Lord, I pray, whatever it takes for each one of us, maybe it's a sermon like this, or maybe it's quiet time in prayer, or maybe it's a dream or a vision. I, I, however you need to communicate to us, Lord, I pray that you would convince us of your will in our lives. And as you do that, that we would respond in immediate and complete obedience. We thank you for your presence with us, not just back then at that first Christmas a couple thousand years ago, but that as you have promised through your Holy Spirit to be with us to the very end of the age. Lord, we thank you that you are with us even as we walk from this place today. We pray that you would uh, work in us and through us as we bring your presence and your spirit into the world where we live. In Jesus' name we pray.